Hark the bardic paladin Who sings and plays again He tells the tales of glory And weaves a magic story He'll join you at your table And ask you to share a fable Heroes of humble origin Villains who must be fought again No matter their skill or prowess The people in life are countless so we pray you heed our request. Enjoy this tale of sidekicks and sidequests. Episode 102 The Pumpkin Lady. Welcome to Sidekicks and Sidequests, the Dungeons and Dragons podcast that helps to put humans back into humanity and breathe life into your campaign NPCs with backstory and bravado. That's right, we're building a world, one character at a time. I am your host, Kurt Krenwelge, the Bardic Paladin, and I'll be joining Sam Rusk's table in the Levitating Platter. Hello, and welcome to another exciting episode of Sidekicks and Side Quests, the best unofficial Dungeons & Dragons podcast in my humbly biased opinion. I've got an awesome guest lined up for you this week, but before we get to my guest, I have to leave you in suspense with an ad read. That's right, from our first sponsor, Plus One EXP. You know Tony Vicenda. He is an awesome guy who's been on the show, and he is the mastermind behind this entire brand of beard balms and game design and community building. He's got beard balms named after all the basic stats from D&D, so get yourself a can, apply it to your face, smell that sweet aroma and that sweet victory that comes along with increased strength, dexterity, charisma, and more. Beards and Beyond is, of course, the indie RPG that helped to launch this entire endeavor, but Tony has collaborated and developed several other indie RPGs, including Repugnant Eye Toaster, down we go through the void, Vam Nugula, and Brandstanding, to name a few. If you support Plus One EXP, either by buying something on the website, going to tonyplus1.itch.io, it all helps funnel into the Plus One Forward program, which seeks to support additional indie tabletop content creators to continue making awesome stuff. So I would highly encourage you to follow Tony and Plus One EXP on all of the socials, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and the Rock and Sauce Discord in order to keep up with all of the various projects that are being worked on, as well as upcoming interviews, one shots, actual plays, and some of these other amazing indie TTRPGs. If you don't mind, when you go to plus1exp.com, use that affiliate code box to type in the code Randolph when you're buying a beard balm or a beard RPG in order to get some savings on your purchase. No extra cost to you. Again, that code's Randolph at checkout on the website plus one exp.com okay with all of that out of the way hello mystery contestant would you care to introduce yourself tell us who it is that you are and what is it that you do hi uh thanks for having me on here i'm sam rusk i'm a tattooer and an illustrator and i like to play D. awesome yes i think i had uh, seen some of your work on twitter and you know I, as an owner of two pieces of tattoo art on my skin you know, I don't want to come off as a total noob, but the style that you tend to draw, at least the critical role artwork that I see is, is that that's kind of like the Sailor Jerry Americana-esque sort of style of design. 
Yeah, very uh, American traditional inspired. I like to call it pop traditional, where okay. it has more of like a nerdy pop culture reference. Yeah, because I think the one tweet that I've seen pinned is like, it looks like a big, huge ship, but then of course it's got the Ukatoa eyes mm-hmm. going throughout it. So you're like, wait a minute, that does that doesn't look like a normal tattoo like I've seen before. <laughs> I like the uh, the if you know, you know kind of thing. Otherwise, it looks like a traditional classic tattoo awesome and uh for you what what came first the illustrating the tattooing because my tattoo artist that i know came into it from a whole completely uh different sort of angle so i'm just kind of curious what your journey into the tattoo art world was like well the art world i think i've always been drawn into that just naturally i've always been inclined to drawing and painting as a kid and you know, I think as you're encouraged to do that, you just get better as you get older. But uh, as far as tattooing, uh, I got interested in it when I was around like 13 or so. And I kind of realized like, oh my gosh, you can do that you know, for a living. Like I want to do that. <laughs> so I kind of pursued that a little bit and was always interested in it. And then, yeah, D&D came a little later, but I've always been into fantasy and fantasy inspired art and things like that. The time that I remember back in college when I first started with D&D was fourth edition. That was when like all the tattooing like shows were super popular on some of those networks. So is there like a particular artist that you like to draw inspiration from that gives you inspiration whenever you're creating your pieces of original artwork or maybe they're critical role inspired or, you know, another client comes to you and just says, hey, I want this thing. And you're like, cool, let me go into my references. Yeah, I think as my tattoo career has gone on, I've been more into like going back towards the traditional, you know, Americana style. Like when I started, I really wasn't, you know, super drawn to that. I kind of like liked more illustrative things and like a little more whimsical. And then I think as I progressed as a tattooer, I was like, these are the tried and true things. They they're just classic. They stand the test of time. So I feel like I started to go back to that and, you know, make designs more influenced by that, I guess. And I know you've alluded to it with the tattooing and the D&D, so I feel like it's a pretty good segue into, do you currently or have you ever played Dungeons and Dragons before? Yeah, uh, we've, me and my friends and my wife, we've been playing for four or five years now. So a, a relatively new, I feel like, to the, the D&D world. But yeah, we play two campaigns that we kind of switch off uh, usually every other week from uh, my wife DMs one and then my friend Jose DMs the other one. Oh, interesting. So how is that dynamic, I guess, switching between the campaigns if it's like a cliffhanger and you're like, oh man, we have to wait like two weeks before we can come back to it. I know it, it's good and terrible uh, <laughs> for the, the players, but I think it's it's a good break for the DMs, you know, so they get mm-hmm. a little break to play. It's not too long of a wait, I feel like two weeks generally. It sounds better than uh, when I started uh, in fourth edition. It was whoever thought of a cool idea for an adventure. It was their turn to be the DM because our original dungeon master got tired, was like, okay, I I think one of you needs to come up with something. So then that kind of forced us (laughs) to have to be like, okay, someone will think of an adventure. And so we rotated DMs throughout the entire group, which was, that was an interesting exercise as well. But I I like the idea of, okay, this week it's uh, adventure A and this week, okay, it's adventure B. 
And um, I wonder if it helps with the the planning and the dynamics of the group as far as like when you don't have to stress about campaign A while you're playing campaign B. And maybe that helps you think of like, oh, well, this is a lesson that we learned in campaign B. I wonder if it's something that we could try when we go back to the other campaign. Yeah, I feel like as a player, sometimes I'll, you know, be thinking of the other campaign, you know, and then like, oh, maybe I should try this with, you know, this character or, you know, but yeah, I think that it gives the DMs a little break and to, to think about stuff, you know, an, an extra week. <laughs> okay. And so then, as you were saying, within the last four or five years is when you started playing D&D, how soon into it, since you were starting to become part of the culture, as it were, part of the hobby, how long was it before either that inspired you to start designing flash or pieces and putting it up in your shop and saying, hey, now I do this kind of style of tattoo or, uh, you know, you started sharing your stuff maybe on Twitter and Instagram and suddenly all the nerds in the area were like, well, this looks cool. I You need to be the one that tattoos it on me. Yeah. Uh, well, funnily enough, my, you know, intro to D&D was from a client who I was doing a D&D tattoo for. So okay. we did like a little, it was like a D20 with a little wizard hat and a wand and it was super fun. And I was like, you know, I had a blast tattooing it, but she's telling me about D&D and critical role and all these things. And I'm like, I, you know, I never have been introduced to that before. Like my 12 year old self was like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. But I, you know, I never had anyone tell me about it before. So then I started watching critical role and then we started playing D&D with our friends and then, yeah, of course, you know, like when you get stuck listening to the hours and hours and hours of Critical Role, I started doing flash designs based on those. And yeah, it just kind of snowballed and very quickly became uh, either my whole personality and my career. I don't know, like <laughs> no turning back. I was going to say, have any of the cast or crew come your way being like, hey, we saw the designs that you've done. I want you to emblazon that on my skin as a memorial. Ooh. No, no celebrity tattoos yet. Mm. I've gotten comments from, you know, Matt Mercer on Twitter and Sam Regal and like a couple, you know, it, it's very encouraging. I think that's actually like, that was one of the first pieces I put up was the Ukatoa one that's pinned on my Twitter. Mm. Uh, and then Travis commented on it. And I was like, Oh, my God, like, it just kind of went a little crazy. I'd never had any art piece that I made kind of get that attention before. And I was like, Oh, my gosh, the nerd sweat has begun. <laughs> <laughs> So I think that was also a little encouraging just to see like how cool the D&D community is. And it's just it's just fun to, you know, make art for, you know, my campaign, other people's campaigns, Critical Role, you know, all that stuff. It's just been a blast. You might draw associations with like Vegas or, you know, the the West Coast and the Californias and I guess even to a degree on the East Coast and biker culture and all these things. But as we're, you know, getting now into the 2020s, it's like becoming even more pervasive for just everyone from all walks of life. Like even my mother, her mother, you know, had tattoos. And so like, yeah, everyone from like, you know, the baby boomers to Gen Alpha is like getting tattoos. So I suppose business is good for you and no shortage of clients, I would reckon. Yeah, no, it's been it's been great. You know, I feel like, you know, in the 70s and 80s, it was very, you know, very, very taboo. And as we have yeah, like you said, into the 2020s, I feel like you're kind of the rebel if you don't have a tattoo, you know, <laughs> where it's <was> vice versa. <laughs> Well, that's awesome. And of course, on this podcast, being sidekicks and side quests, we always like to ask the questions about who happens to be your favorite sidekick or your favorite NPC, whether they're from 
a video game or maybe one of your games that you play, campaign A, campaign B, or if not, maybe film, television, literature, etc. And why is this character your favorite sidekick, your favorite NPC? Okay, uh, sidekick, I would have to say, I mean, it's the only right answer for me is uh, Samwise Gamgee is the, the best sidekick ever. Mm-hmm. I, you've probably gotten the answer before because... Oh, yeah. He's a favorite. <laughs> as far as uh, NPC, I I wish I played more video games, but uh, I, I have recently started replaying Majora's Mask, uh, Zelda, and I do love Skull Kid uh, in that game. I think he's a great NPC, just very mischievous. And yeah, I, I just I love the little Loki kind of characters like that. And then same thing with the side quest question. What's been one of your favorite side quests, either from a video game, one of your tabletop games, movie, film, literature, etc.? And why has this side quest been your favorite side quest? Okay, uh, definitely my most recent favorite side quest was, uh, so our campaign that my buddy Jose runs, he <laughs> has this this character in a town that we were in they were head of the city watch and they told our party that like he needed us to come right away. There was a like commotion in a dungeon, like something really important. So we rushed over and like long story short, it just turned out that he wanted us to prank his buddy into coming out and having a drink with him. And Mm -hmm. it just turned into the most like the stakes were so low and it was so silly. Like, I think all of the players just had an absolute blast. And, like, after the session, I remember I, I was like, Jose, that was the weirdest thing I've ever experienced playing D&D. Like, it just was so out of left field. He was very, like, took a step back and just let us go crazy. And he was like, I wanted to see what you guys would do in, like, a very low stakes situation. And it was, I, I think it was it was awesome you didn't <laughs> like set the whole town on fire in the process or anything like that uh, no but <laughs> we almost destroyed like a whole so the the character's friend was like a like a scientist kind of guy who's like building these robots for the the king for an army mm. i'm doing a really bad job at explaining it was just sure classic thing you know the robot army for the king of course yeah yeah, yeah. But yeah, we almost destroyed his entire life's work just to have him come out and have a drink with his bud. I think we gave him like an existential crisis at one point, just questioning all of his life decisions. And yeah, it was it was really good. Awesome. So I don't know if that counts as a side quest, but it was a, a like a little side misadventure. There we go. Sounds awesome to me. And then we'll round out the personal interview section with the question of what are you passionate about and why? Uh, OK, I was. I was thinking about this. I was just talking to my wife. I was like, okay, I think I have three things. Coffee, books, and tattoos. And she was like, why are are those the three things? And I was like, okay, so I think, you know, I have to have coffee in the morning. My friends know, like, whenever we're on vacation, Sam needs her coffee in the morning before you talk to me. So a good cold brew so that I can be awake to read the books so that I can have the ideas for the tattoos. (laughs) Well, wonderful. We've learned so much about Miss Sam that I think it's time we head into a segment that I like to call NPC Creation. Right, and this NPC Creation is brought to you by you, the podcast audience, 
and our patrons from Patreon. So now is the time in the show where we give a shout out to our comfortable patrons and above with a loud hurrah. So to you, Katie Downey and Anson Jablinski, my parents, we say cheers. So again, this is for patrons who donate $2 or more a month. And uh, all of these folks are among my highest tier wealthy level patrons. So that means they get to introduce an element of chance to our random tables, which we might get to use here today. So if you want to learn more and join the coolest Patreon out there in podcast land, why don't you check the show notes below, go to my website, or just go directly to patreon.com forward slash sidekicks and sidequests to find out more about our currently three tiers, one to four dollars a month and help us expand our operations at the levitating platter in this demiplane and worlds beyond. Okay, so then this segment of the show is where we get to make up a character. And so the question is, are we going to randomly generate a character with some of the tables that I have? Or do you have an idea of a character and you'd like to go through the questions and unveil who this character is? I thought it would be fun to base a character off of uh, an NPC that we have in one of our home games. Okay. That sounds cool to you. Okay, so we're just going to go piece by piece through the questions and we'll discover who this character is. And if you want, you know, if you feel like you need to spice it up a little bit, we can always, you know, do a random dice roll if you want some inspiration as well. But the first question we have, what is the character's name? So the character's name in the campaign that we have, uh, we we lovingly named her Pumpkin Lady, and throughout the 20 or so sessions that she was in, never thought to ask her her name because we had just called her Pumpkin Lady. So I think we'll mm. just stick with Pumpkin Lady. A mysterious figure, indeed. <laughs> All right, and then what is the ancestry of this Pumpkin Lady? So the players aren't certain, but uh, I would say she's probably like an arch fae or something hmm. uh she's definitely from an, a plane that the players are not familiar with and have never encountered someone like her before okay interesting so then her job or role in society is so if she's an arch fae but she is masquerading as a pumpkin lady so are we like if we go to the town market and she's there like selling her gourds it's uh that's where we're gonna find her most likely her job or role in society She's more of a, she has nothing to do with pumpkins. It was just the the instance that we met her was uh, during a Halloween one shot. And she was just very mm. mysterious, very like kind of spooky vibes. So one of our players, our little halfling fighter, just called her pumpkin lady. I have no idea how it stuck so well. So it was just the association with a Halloween or a harvest festival. She didn't actually sell pumpkins or have pumpkin paraphernalia or anything like that. No pumpkins to be found. Actually, the the name stuck so well that we, one of our players thought that she had a pumpkin head the whole time, but she, she has no, there's no pumpkins anywhere. Hmm. Okay. (laughs) And then how old would you say this pumpkin lady is? pretty ancient i would say you know hundreds of years old okay pretty ancient but otherwise in her i'm assuming humanoid disguise do you think she would just appear as like a normal adult middle-aged older adult well probably yeah middle-aged to older 
Let's see. So if we did have, I'm just circling back to the job or role in society. So the pumpkin lady is just kind of like an ironic sort of name. It seems like at this point for the character. So I'm just wondering the NPC that we're creating, if we're to give her a job or role in society, what do you think that would be? When the player characters who are going to run into this character meet pumpkin lady, Mm -hmm. what is she going to be doing or what does she represent in society? So her role in the campaign that we play, uh, she is kind of our, like the party's, like sponsor's not the right word, but uh, she shows up kind of when we need her or when she needs us. And she is almost overly powerful to the point where we're just ants to her, but she needs jobs done. So she Mm -hmm. kind of hires us for miscellaneous quests and like acquiring things for her, like teleportation spells and, and things like that, that she needs on this plane that she's on. Interesting. So she'll adopt whatever humanoid disguise fits her best. She goes by seemingly this nom de plure of pumpkin lady, whether or not she decides to uh, introduce pumpkins into her fashion uh, or anything like that. But she she stands as this mysterious figure who needs the help of uh, adventurers and such to do exactly. her bidding. Okay. Yes. So if we're to describe her physical appearance, uh, how are we to envision the pumpkin lady? Okay, the way that we were introduced to her is uh, she's very tall, skinny, wearing very like thin, not quite robes, but uh, (laughs) the DM equated it to a a velour tracksuit, but make it medieval (laughs) and a, a hood. Uh, so you can only see part of her face, like her lo- like maybe just like her lower jaw. And okay. she has like a little bit of hair sticking out and her hair almost looks like snake heads. Hmm. Just in the description alone, I'm picking up like Morticia Adams. I'm picking <laughs> up the daughters in the Resident Evil game. The ones that are like the vampire bugs or whatever. But then that last bit also threw in like Medusa sort of thing. The Uma Thurman Medusa from the Percy Jackson movie is what I was thinking of. (laughs) Okay, yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah, never clarified, but I get kind of like arch fae vibes of uh, just the mischievousness and very gray morals. Just has Mm. her own needs in mind. And is there any type of pumpkin imagery present for, or does she just drop like, oh, you can call me the pumpkin lady or something like that. She steps like into a pumpkin carriage and disappears or something. Yeah, maybe maybe she could have like little like pumpkin-y jewelry. We can even name her something else. Like you said you had some little, we could roll for a name. Do you have a name? Oh yeah, sure. This could be like the real name. Ooh, yeah, no, I like that. Yeah, okay. So if you need a name, let's roll a D20. All right. That's an 18. 18. Ah, okay. Well, this answer is provided by previous guest Gary Barker, Sun River's Master, if you think that is an interesting name to use. I I like it. Okay. So her code name or her title that maybe she gives out to people is the Pumpkin Lady. But in actuality, she is the Archfey known as Sun River's Master. I like it. Okay. All right. Very cool. So with that name, does that give you like any other hints or ideas as to how she might appear outside of her particular guise she might use? Oh, um, maybe when she's not in like her super mysterious <laughs> hooded outfit, 
maybe something more like fall colors, like goldenrods, things like that. Mm. So kind of like Lothlorien elven sort of a figure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that that's like a very strong, like, yeah, like Halloween. It's like Halloween one second and then it's like Thanksgiving the next. Yeah, yeah. October 31st to November 1st. Yeah, there we go. Okay, interesting. Okay, I like the vibe. Um, <laughs> if you had to describe Sun River's Masters, a.k.a. the Pumpkin Lady, with three adjectives, what three adjectives would you use? Oh, okay. Mischievous? I don't know. They're all, like, <laughs> sneaky adjectives. Uh, I don't know. What's an adjective for, like, sh- she's very uh selfish i guess okay selfish self-interested okay so yeah very very self-interest uh morally gray yeah so mysterious self-interested and morally gray yeah i think those would be accurate okay interesting i wonder because the stated lore as it says for eladrin you know being these elven creatures who come from the Feywild and have the ability to shift between seasonal colors. I don't exactly know how all of the different seasons coordinate, but I wonder if that has anything to play into it or not, as far as like, does she act like, you know, so if you were to meet like an autumn Aladrin or something like that, would that, I wonder if they would like, oh, the pumpkin lady, like, oh yes, we like her. Oh, she's like weird. She's not like the rest of us, autumn Aladrin and, but then again, she's an archfey, so they kind of have to like respect her or whatever. But gotcha. I don't know. I'm just yeah. curious <laughs> if there's anything you're thinking might be if there's something to that, or I'm just speaking out of turn. No, no, no. Uh, no, I like it. I feel like you know not the best at making characters. So yeah, no, I appreciate the. Uh, I I like to bounce ideas off of friends and and stuff. Oh sure. Yeah. No, that's that's super interesting. Does she have like a cadre of autumn Aladrin that serve her maybe like henchmen or something yeah, like would... that? She's like flanked by a quadrant of autumn Aladrin that look all, you know, mysterious as her or something, or just very brooding and serious or however they're yeah. supposed to be. Yeah. Sends them off to do her deeds. No, I, I like that. Suddenly I'm getting like mafioso vibe. She rolls up in a pumpkin carriage, autumn Aladrin that are like dark suits and sunglasses. And they open the carriage to let the the players in and they're riding around town in a pumpkin carriage. And she's giving them like a morally gray mission. And then she drops them off. Everyone's like, oh, you were talking to the pumpkin lady. Ooh, serious business. (laughs) Yeah, no, I, I like that. Some ideas, some ideas, some brewing. Maybe maybe we're going to get some uh, Twitter, Instagram tattoo <laughs> ideas of the pumpkin lady in her carriage. Who knows? But yes. we always <laughs> like to have our NPCs have something cool on them, whether that is an item, a piece of lore, a secret, or maybe even an ideal or concept that the character ascribes to. So what is something that the pumpkin lady, Sun River's Masters, would have? One item that is canon in our campaign is that she has access to this like teleportation dust so she doesn't Mm. necessarily have to like cast a spell or whatever to teleport and she like sends us different places when she needs to so at Mm. one point she sends us to actually retrieve this like rock that she turns into that dust oh Um, interesting that was a pretty cool kind of item that she had and one of our players tried to uh sneak some and not give it to her when we had acquired it and mm-hmm. uh there were definitely consequences to that oh 
was it in the astral sea or something like that as far as where this uh teleportation rock dust comes from no it was in uh so there was like a a part of these i think it was outside of some ruins so it was like a very old civilization that like no one had gone to in a long time and we actually ran into a deceased party that she had previously sent there to Mm. acquire the same dust so it's just very dangerous so it's no one else really has access to it okay so it's something from a dead empire long ago and so this was like in the age of arcanum oh we just had teleportation dust that we could just use everywhere and then of course some great apocalypse or something happened and now the world's rebuilding and no one knows like oh you just have to have like teleportation circles and teleportation magic dust that that sounds too complicated or no one knows about it but she does because she survived the apocalypse or whatever yeah no that's kind of the vibes we got and like we you know are relatively new to working with her so we don't really know what her history is or like how long she's had access to this stuff Mm -hmm. so I, i thought that was pretty cool And then, uh, of course, we like all of our NPCs to be able to offer up side quests. So what is a particular quest that the pumpkin lady would be willing to recruit or hire player characters to go and do on her behalf? If you need inspiration, you can always roll a D12. Or maybe it's to go get more of this uh, teleportation dust or something. Yeah, that definitely that definitely was one of the the side quests that she sent us on. Mm -hmm. The first side quest that she kind of forced us into was she has her own kind of like agenda that we're not really aware of so Mm -hmm. i'm not sure like how it ties into everything yet but uh she sent us to the capital of this continent that we're on they had like their version of the olympics so it's like a very sacred event like these people like you know like train their whole lives to go and Mm -hmm. she somehow conned her way into letting getting us into the olympics and basically uh you know kind of ruining <laughs> ruining the event for oh. whatever ends yeah so i feel like she would she would kind of just sneaks her parties into chaos to whatever whatever ends to acquire things or you know set other things in motion okay so do you want the side quest that she offers up to be she gives you an opportunity to sneak into some sort of a prestigious event or honor or ceremony, but she needs you to ruin it or something like that instead of doing a good job. Yeah, no, I feel like that would, that's, that's on brand. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, it doesn't have to be like a, like a sporting event or something like that, but yeah, maybe like a prestigious banquet or. Yeah. A dwarven drinking contest and you spike all the drinks or something like that. And then everyone, it's like Ipecac in the ale or something like that. That'd be a bad time for everyone, even with the dwarven constitution. Yes. Okay. It it always feels innocent in the beginning and then the the consequences uh, unveil themselves later on. Mm, Okay. So then what's going to be the consequence of success if you go through with the side quest and you you do the thing and you ruin and tarnish the name of said event? What's going to be the reward? I feel like whenever she rewards her party, mm-hmm. it's always in a a very I don't know if you've ever watched Here's five dollars, go see a Star War. Very like oh, she arrested development. Arrested development, yes. Uh so very out of touch with like what the value is to something to the party in on this like plane or just 
reality in general. Mm-hmm. She'll reward us with things, but it, it always feels like it's very either undervalued or super over the top. So, so it could go either way. So some, some pins or something that's super overpowered that you have no business having, basically. Yeah, I, I feel like it should almost be like a roll of the dice of either just something Ooh. so dumb or so like this, is, like you just acquired like a legendary weapon for ruining a drinking contest, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, that's pretty cool. That's a very fun mechanic as well. So like literally the DM sitting there rolling a dice and then like evens or odds. Okay, let's figure out what you get. Yeah. Here's five gold pieces. Go see a nice play. Or yeah. <laughs> here's a Vorpal sword. Yes, exactly. Yeah, the, that's okay. That's pumpkin lady vibes. Probably get in her good graces and then she's more willing to give you perhaps other jobs and stuff like that. Yes. Yeah, I feel like once you align yourself to her, you are stuck with her and you pretty much can't say no. Especially with all the autumn Maladrin squad that uh, seems to flank her and secret service or muscle or something like that. But now we have to consider the opposite. What's going to be the consequence of failure? Maybe they get invited to this event and they decide, no, you know, this is our opportunity to do something awesome. So let's win this thing. And they end up winning it instead of ruining it. What's going to be the consequence of that? Yeah, that's a good question. I feel like whenever we have done something that displeased her, like our party, mm-hmm. she has a weird sense of revenge and, and like we'll send you messages of like, hey, don't, you don't, you don't mess with the pumpkin lady kind of mafia vibes like you were talking about. Mm-hmm. She put it like a tracking bracelet on one of our party members to make sure that he wasn't going out of line because he kind of sasses back to her sometimes. Mm. So I feel like she would do something like act like she's not upset, but the consequence would be either, I don't know, maybe like taking away uh, like a power or an item that you already have or something, something like that. I was going to say maybe like a low level curse or something like that. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Arch phase, I feel like are pretty good at being able to dole out like some low level curses. I don't know about pretty hefty curses, but yeah. So inconveniences the party in some way. Maybe that means like, I don't know how punishing a DM necessarily wants to be, but just something harmless enough that would be like, oh, this thing that you're supposed to be good at. Well, suddenly you have to roll a disadvantage instead of uh, just, a you know, like your your regular advantage or whatever. Yeah, no, I like that. Okay, so something minor, but very annoying that will affect the party. And then, so obviously when they go to confront her about this, does she give them like another opportunity to, you know, try and make up for it? And then if they succeed there, okay, now the curse is off and now we're sort of on an okay playing field. And if you want more jobs, then you can take them. Or if not, that might be your opportunity to kind of exit out of the loop before you get drug in further. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like when you would ask, like, for the other job or, like, you know, sorry, we messed up or whatever, she would act like, oh, I, I'm i so sorry, I didn't mean to put that curse on you or something like that, you know? like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, of course, now, if it, like, is super negative, like, they, they win the thing, they get cursed, and but they're mad, and they're like, we got to teach this lady a lesson. What's the consequence of that? If they want to go murder hobo hardcore... I mean, you said she's an archfey, so it sounds like are we gearing up for a battle with an archfey and her yeah, team? Yeah, 
yeah I don't know yeah that would probably be pretty rough (laughs) or does she even not bother she thinks it's funny and then she's like oh that's cute and then does the thing where she like severely wounds them and then like that's your lesson like you know don't no more future attempts or no mercy in the future or something like like that I feel like that would be the way it went if you tried to yeah go full murder hobo on her yeah she would probably yeah leave you on the edge of death and yeah just mm-hmm. leave not kill you yeah teach you do a lesson <laughs> and then maybe surely everyone at that point probably has some kind of hindrance put on them in some way oh, i imagine <laughs> the yes. autumn season is especially bitter for everyone in the party <laughs> yep <laughs> okay very cool the best characteristic to me for her mm-hmm. is her accent is <laughs> when the dm introduced her I don't know if you've ever seen Frasier, the the old '90s show, early 2000s. Well, a little bit, not much. It it wasn't my kind of humor growing up. Yeah, there's a character in there named BB Glazer, and she has very like a very almost like transact transatlantic accent, very very businessy. So her accent is I feel I feel like that adds a lot to her her character. <laughs> Okay, transatlantic. So that's like the 1920s radio voice. Exactly. Yeah, but like a little. Yeah, like that. A little zippy and like. Uh, I'm not going to attempt to do it because I will embarrass myself. Um. <laughs> you never cross the pumpkin lady because if you do, you will get in curtains. Kind of a thing. Exactly. Thousand okay. percent. <laughs> it just adds so much to in our game. The the pumpkin lady just thinking about her. <laughs> describing like she's like when when i said it's dark i mean it's very dark and it's just it's so <laughs> silly awesome well we've had a chance to unveil and discover sun rivers masters aka <laughs> the pumpkin lady that now i think it's time that we head into a random encounter <laughs> dun dun. so this is the Part of the show where at this point I would give you an ad read, but I don't have any sponsors at time of this recording. I might have to check some notes somewhere and see if there is something there. But if not, that's okay. If you have an affiliate program or you have something that you would like me to promote, contact me in my email, sidekicksandsidequests at gmail.com. Let me read the proposal and we'll talk. So hopefully some eccentric lord or rich lady is going to hit this bardic paladin up for some sponsorship. But that out of the way this is the random encounter a little bit of a vignette we get to play some DD, as it were so you've done a fabulous job of describing the pumpkin lady no transatlantic accent required <laughs> but the question becomes what kind of scene are you interested in portraying are you wanting the pumpkin lady to meet one of the podcast adventurer characters or is this going to be the pumpkin lady perhaps talking to one of her autumn Aladrin lieutenants? Is it her in a court with other Archfey talking about her plans? Or I don't know, what kind of scene are you interested in showcasing her often? I mean, the lieutenant one sounds really fun. Her talking to okay. her, her little henchmen. We're in a Elven Empire city kind of borrowing something from my home world, we'll say it is the Moon Elven Empire, so the Alabaster City, Luana. And lately, the Pumpkin Lady has been making a stay in the Alabaster City, just white, 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 
shiny everywhere. And then her pumpkin carriage stands out in the streets, almost as if to make a statement, kind of a piece of her presence in the town. And there's other visitors and other peoples and ancestries that are there in the town, but this is obviously a predominantly heavy moon elven society. But the camera zooms in as a autumn Aladrin coach driver is um, giving a snap of the reins and the horses are picking up their speed. The clicking of the cobblestones underneath the wheels and the camera goes into the carriage and we can see that the pumpkin lady is in her full regalia and uh, she is speaking with one of her uh, lieutenants, a uh, autumn Aladrin man named Aradan. How does the pumpkin lady appear as she is in her pumpkin carriage? Is she on her way to some fancy event or what do you think she's doing? Uh, yeah, probably on the way to some uh, some event. Maybe she was invited and maybe she wasn't. Aradan, you know, looks out the windows of the carriage. You know, he gives an affirmative nod uh, to his mistress and uh, he says, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll clear my lady. Things are looking safe. And, and good you know he he's very like very professional and uh to the point you know undying loyalty and, and service to the pumpkin lady i think she would uh just like acknowledge him and stare out the window and maybe talk about the event that that they're going to an opera maybe they're going to the opera and maybe the mayor of this town is there and okay. uh he has some item that she is interested in Mm. So maybe she's hoping to run into either a party to have them acquire it or uh, have her henchmen acquire something. So then Aradan will speak up and say, I know that you are interested in the Lord Mayor's latest art piece. It would look better in my lady's collection. I was thinking the exact same thing. She says in her transatlantic accent. <laughs> Are you wanting me to find you some help? Or do you need me to see to it? I think I think you could see to it. Very well. Is there a particular play that you would like me to use? Shall I order him a bottle of wine and have the maiden spill it on his pantaloons so that he has to be excused to the privy, and that might be my opportunity to lift the keys. I think that would be perfect. Ardan is a quick study. He wants to make sure that he is doing his job well. His family has been in service of the Pumpkin Lady for generations, so he certainly doesn't want to let them down, and he wants to prove himself, maybe even in some part of his mind, naively thinks that he loves her. Like, somehow, if he could do, like, the best job, then she would see that he is worthy of her and could be her consort or whatever, what have you. Mm -hmm. And so he's like, okay, yes, I'll make sure that it is the most stainful kind of wine that they have available, brought to his viewing box personally perfect i feel like if she catches those vibes of him having those feelings the more she would ignore him and mm. very silent staring out the window minimal uh contact yeah with her being an archface she probably has those kinds of powers i don't know if like reading thoughts or just you know she okay. just has that intuition or anything but yeah he's trying to keep it cool 
you know, she can hear like his heart beating just a little bit quicker at the subtlest agreements or, or something like that. And he's trying to keep his cool and he's just trying to be as professional as he can. I feel like she just gives her orders and very cold to her workers, you know, whoever works under her minimal praise, I guess. So then the rest of the carriage ride, you know, which isn't probably too much longer to the Grand Opera House, will continue in silence. Aradon and his team, they are the best that the Pumpkin Lady has, and they will see to her every whim and her every need, and that she has a great time. And uh, Aradon knows his task, you know, going in as the cover of the escort, but then he will subtly break off and then go about the mission of ordering the wine and seeing the changing of the hands of the keys. And scene. All right, so there we go. You got to be the pumpkin lady. So um, how was it on this side of the table, as it were? Maybe not you being a player character encountering her, but you kind of being in her mindset as far as a a NPC character. I wish I could do her the justice as of the very talented DMs that I get to play with. But yeah, I do love her character a lot. Yeah, so thank you. (laughs) Oh, of course, not a problem. You know, we get all kinds of characters made on this podcast, whether they are good or bad or chaotically somewhere in the middle. (laughs) So yeah, uh, now that we're starting to get into the final thoughts segment of the show, I always like to check in with the guests and, you know, see how they're doing. Did Did you have a nice time? Was it a good experience being on this silly little podcast? Oh, it was awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. An absolute blast. It's always a good time to to talk about D&D. Of course. And also a good time to talk about tattoos. I know my wife was saying, oh, you're interviewing a tattoo artist. How soon (laughs) until she convinces you to uh, go and get another one? (laughs) Uh, You can uh, call your um, artist tomorrow, I'm sure. We always like to leave the final moments of the show for the guests. So if there's any other critiques or comments or anything that you'd like to leave, certainly you can do that. And then I always want to make sure that whatever you've got to plug, where can we find you online? And, uh, you know, what do we need to know about? What do you care about? All that stuff. Lay it on us. Yeah, I mean, I I had a blast. Thank you so much. Yeah, no critiques or comments I I can think of. Uh, (laughs) Thank you so much for for putting up with me uh my socials are uh at uh samurai underscore rusk on you know all of them uh, instagram twitter tiktok all that stuff and then is there like an art portfolio that we can look at online like its own separate website or we should go to those socials to be able to see um your artwork to then be able to contact you to if we can make the journey to go out and see you to uh you know schedule an appointment Oh, yeah. Um, Instagram uh, is kind of like my portfolio, I would say. All, all my um, current work is on there. I try to keep it updated. And then, yeah, for booking, you can email me, uh, samrust27 at yahoo.com. Yeah, pretty easy. Okay, excellent. Yeah, I well, I mean, I want to make sure that, you know, people know how to get in contact with you, especially those nerds who... <laughs> maybe have virgin skin and have never been tattooed before and they want someone that they can empathize with who knows the hobbies that they know and you know have good i don't know if bedside manner is the term but they have good chair side manner as they're helping to talk their clients through and and let them get through the adrenaline and the and the needle stuff i mean sorry trigger warnings i guess if you don't like needles but that sorry it's part of tattooing so you know, yeah, yeah. don't get a tattoo if that freaks you out. But if it, it does interest you and you 
want a good place to start, I, I think Sam would be a perfect tattoo artist to go to. No, thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Sidekicks and Side Quests. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast through Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and Overcast, or feel free to save the RSS feed to use the app of your choice. Visit our website, sidekicksandsidequests.com, for links, write-ups of the NPCs, and to learn more about the show and the guests who have been on it. To stay up to date and interact via social media, you can follow the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Reddit by searching for SideKQ Podcast. I would love to talk D&D and showcase your fan art, stories of how you used our NPCs, discussions, and commentary. If you would like to hail the bod, simply send an email to sidekicksandsidequests at gmail.com. To help this show be the resource it's meant to be, I ask that you please leave a review on iTunes to help spread the word and share our podcast with your friends and family. Whether you're a veteran player or an aspiring dungeon master, or you've never played Dungeons and Dragons before, there's something here for everyone, and I want to hear about it. And finally, after two years, I've decided to open a Patreon for Sidekicks and Sidequests. If you love this podcast and you want to help us grow and expand our operations, I would appreciate it if you would go on over to patreon.com forward slash sidekicks and sidequests. No matter your lifestyle expenses, we have wonderful rewards at every level of Patreon membership tier. Your name on the wall of the levitating platter, a loud hurrah on the podcast, or the possibility to introduce an element of chance to NPC creation. Sidekicks and Sidequests is unofficial fan content permitted under the fan content policy, meaning I'm not approved or endorsed by Wizards. Portions of the materials used are property Wizards of the Coast, copyright Wizards of the Coast, LLC. Thank you for your support, and I'll see you at the pub next time. Bar to rock on one, two, one, two, three, four. Four. Psychics, psycho.